Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is a special, special guest, Elliot Harrison, a Hall of Fame voter. You can listen to him on Sirius XM. You can follow him on Twitter at Harrison NFL if he ever decides to tweet again. <laughs> Elliot, how are you doing today, sir? Pretty good. I knew that Twitter comment was coming. What, what are we What are we talking about today? We Next are talking. You know. <laughs> we, we don't. We don't have a lot to talk about, right? This is the dead season of the NFL. So we decided to to take a conversation that you and I have had on the phone. I don't know three or four different times. The most underrated individual Cowboys seasons of all time. We each chose three, and we're going to talk about them today. So. Elliot, I will allow you to go first. Give us your third most underrated Cowboys season of all time. Well, I picked this one, Marcus, because uh, I feel like this player has uh, – I'm going recent, by the way. I'm going with a really well-known player. You might not agree that he's underrated, but uh, to me, the way his career is now perceived makes this season underrated. So I'm going with Des Bryant from 2014. And the reason being is that he was spectacular that year. He was probably Mm -hmm. the best red zone target in the NFL. He scored 16 touchdowns. He gave you a ton of bang for the the buck. And unfortunately, because the way his career ended in Dallas, he had the drop passes, although his quarterback was somewhat inaccurate at that stage of his career. He had the injury with the Saints when he tried to come back. And then all the other drama. People forget just how good Des Bryant was in 2014. That's a really good Des season. And I'm glad that you mentioned him because I actually have Des on my list as well, um, but not for the 2014 season. But I okay. want to talk about that year first and foremost. The reason why I don't think it's underrated is because I think I think he was properly rated that season, right? He was, a, he was an all-pro nomination Mm -hmm. right he was first team all pro i think most people in the league at that time thought he was either the best or maybe the second best receiver he made the pro bowl this was a really good cowboys team that's that's the only reason why i can't say it was underrated here's the season i have for you okay 2012 so this is des's third season in the league the cowboys were not great they were eight and eight but Dez was really good that season. He had almost 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns. It was uh, the most yards he ever averaged per game in a season. It was the most yards he ever had in a year. Uh, he averaged 10 yards a target. And we've actually talked about this before, Elliot. If you average over nine yards a target, that's fantastic. Yes. To average over 10 yards a target or right at 10, that is incredible. And then I also wanted to, to mention – in that 2012 season, he got off to a bit of a slow start, but in the teams, I believe it was the final, uh, yeah, final 13 games, he had 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. I mean, he was on pace to basically to be the best receiver in the league, and he didn't get nominated for an all-pro team. He didn't even make the Pro Bowl, and I think that's one of the best Cowboy receiving seasons of all time, and that's why it's third for me. Well, you remember, it was, wasn't it Kevin Ogletree who caught a couple of touchdowns on opening night that mm-hmm. year against the Giants? And people were like, who, who's Ogletree, right? But, you know, just to say one thing about 2014, it's not that he was underrated that year. He was first team all pro, mm-hmm. but he's no longer looked at as having that level of success in his career. It's like, yeah, he was a good player. No, 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 no. He was a great player. He At one time, he was considered as good as any wide receiver in yes. professional football. 
That year, he averaged 9.7 yards per target, which is a, a great figure. And then how about 16 touchdowns on, you know, only 88 catches, man? You're talking about every five and a half catches, the guy is scoring. Mm -hmm. In this day and age, that is incredible production. Yeah, I mean, it's also important. We talk about market share a lot on this podcast, but Tony Romo threw 34 touchdowns that season. Dez caught 16 of them, right? I mean, that's unbelievable. That's, Un absolutely unbelievable. Um, I, I think that three-year stretch from 2012 to 2014, I think you put that up against anybody in that era, and I think you're going to love not only just the, the raw counting stats from Dez, but also the efficiency. Like, he was yes. incredibly efficient. He wasn't like an Antonio Brown that was getting near 200 targets a no. season or DeAndre Hopkins that was approaching that. This was somebody 130 targets every year, catching 80 something passes and double digit touchdowns. That's pretty rare. It's a lot of bang for your buck. And, you know, tw going back to 2014, the Cowboys were such a running team that year that you remember that's the year DeMarco Murray led the yes. league in rushing and Tony Romo had like the fewest pass attempts, you know, in 16 games per per game basis than he had really ever had. And so it was important to have a receiver that was so productive on limited opportunities. But I think that's enough about Des. I want to hear your number two. My number two is Craig Morton's the 1970 season from Craig Morton. Uh, Fantastic, man. Just I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm <laughs> proud of you because you're so you have so much recency bias for you to pull out. Craig Morton is phenomenal. Well, don't worry. I'll, the recency bias is coming. Don't you worry at all. Uh, Craig Morton, 1970 season. Uh, he started 11 games for the Cowboys. They went eight and three. The the completion percentage is not great. 49%. He threw 15 touchdowns to seven interceptions. So you're probably thinking, why in the world is this one of the most underrated Cowboy seasons of all time? And I'll give you a stat. He averaged 17.8 yards per completion that season. Now, That's not incredible. only not only did that lead the NFL that season. That's the most ever for a quarterback who attempted at least 200 passes in a season uh, to basically be this gunslinger throwing the ball down the field and to complete or to basically be, you know, just have a bunch of big plays every single game. I think it's really he's really, really good. And he just doesn't get mentioned with the, the elite quarterbacks like Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, Dak Prescott. Yeah, well, I think well, that's a great choice. You know, Craig Morton became the starter in '69. When well, first of all, hold on. I, I thought you were. I thought you were going to say something about my Dak Prescott elite quarterback thing. I, I just threw him in there with Staubach and Aikman. This is. I, a, I was setting you up, man. Podcast. I'm going to try <laughs> to reserve my sentiments there. Um, you know I set you up you know, on a tee there. We got to we got to tap it a little bit there. You know, uh, a little, enough, little too enough. much anointing going on there. Or as Bill Parcells used to say, don't take the cheese. You know, there you go. Uh, but here's the thing. Craig Morton became the starter in 69 when Don Meredith abruptly retired at 30 years old after mm -hmm. coming off three Pro Bowl years. Uh, you know, up until Troy Aikman, Craig Morton was the only first round draft pick the Cowboys ever spent on a quarterback, which is pretty remarkable. He played out of Cal and similar to Aaron Rodgers, He had to wait his turn. Another Cal quarterback. Um, the other thing about Morton, you said 15 to seven touchdown interception ratio. That's over two to one. And that era, that's phenomenal. That's yeah. phenomenal because you mentioned the yards per completion. Well, Marcus, if you're averaging that many yards per completion, right? That means you're throwing the ball down the field. Mm -hmm. The guys today, you know, it's a two-yard dump to Tony Pollard. 
you don't have any risk of interceptions that way. But when you're throwing intermediate and deep routes, you're going to throw more picks. So to only throw seven the whole year is pretty great. Yeah, I mean, the other thing about Morton just in general is I think he's just an underrated Cowboys player. Like he played 10 yes. years for Dallas. The team was really good when he played 32 and 14 and one as a starter. Yeah. Uh, the passer rating for that era is 75.6. It doesn't sound great, but when you go back and you look at what the average quarterback was doing sure. back then, it's pretty good. So I, I, I really admire that Craig Morton season. I'm curious to hear your number two, though. Wanted to tell you guys about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use the promo code LOCKEDON. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Well, my number two, I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to go with a well-known Cowboy, but I don't think this is not as much for Cowboy fans as it is for national uh, media. Okay. Everson Walls is mm. not uh, – he, he's, he's gotten a sniff for the Hall of Fame. On his last year of eligibility, uh, before he goes to the senior pool, he had a chance – didn't happen for him so now he's in that senior pool where you can only get one guy out of a group of 200 names and you saw what happened with drew pearson with that it's really tough Mm -hmm. 1982 the nfl players went on strike they only played nine games everson walls picked off seven passes in nine games this was after picking off 11 passes in 16 games and then picking off Joe Montana twice in the NFC championship. So teams knew we, we kind of need to stay away from this kid from grambling. So 1982, he comes back. I mean, Marcus seven interceptions in nine games is incredible. But if you combine the two years, Everson walls picked off 18 balls in 25 games. That's it's incredible. That's that's insane. I mean, how many years have we seen where the Cowboys haven't even gotten 18 interceptions as a team Correct. for the year? Yeah. Probably it, every year of the last decade. So my question to you is why why did you go with the 82 season and not his rookie year? Because his rookie year, a lot of people remember that he had all these interceptions and John Madden and Pat Summerall pointed him out. But usually what happens when you have a big interception year like that, and if you look at NFL history, when they come back, they don't get as many balls thrown their way. So it mm-hmm. becomes harder and harder. But Everson Walls just didn't drop a lot of balls. He, he played it like a wide receiver. He high-pointed the ball, and he made quarterbacks pay for going to his side of the field. And that era of Cowboys was not the same suffocating defense of the 70s and late 60s. That team lived more off of turnovers, specifically interceptions. And Everson Walls was the best. He led the NFL three times in interceptions. But I don't think people realize just how good of player he was. He was as good as just about any corner in the NFL. And he's not thought of that way. Do we ever think Everson Wallace gets into the Hall of Fame? Because, man, I think he's got a pretty good case considering all the interceptions. He was part of a Super Bowl team. He yep. was in four Pro Bowls. Do we think he ever, ever sniffs the Hall of Fame? I do. And if I have any say in it, uh, absolutely. And I'll good. tell you this. Good. He was also a very sure tackler. Yes. I don't mean he was super aggressive. Like, he wasn't Ronnie Lott, okay? 
But in fact, Super Bowl 25, he saved the game for the Giants with a sweet open field tackle of Thurman Thomas. Now, Cowboys fans did not want to see him in a Giants uniform, but Everson Walls could play. He's got over 50 career interceptions. He's the only corner to lead the NFL in interceptions three times. Uh, Ed Reed's the only player to do that. And by the way, Ed Reed uh, moonwalked into the Hall of Fame. So uh, that's my second underrated individual season. All right, so I, I want to bring up an Everson stat, Everson Wall stat for you because it's going to be important okay. to my number one. Okay. During his rookie season, he had 133 interception yards on 11 interceptions. I just want you to remember that mm-hmm. because my number one player, the most underrated Cowboys season of all time, is Sean Lee from 2011. Now, wow, okay, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, I'll, or excuse me, 2013, 2013. The Cowboys defense was awful that year. They actually set records for being the worst defense in NFL history that season. Most yards per game allowed, I think. Yes, yes, most yards per game allowed. Um, But it wasn't due to the fault of Sean Lee. He actually missed a fairly significant amount of time that season. There There was 10 games in which he started and finished. There were six others where he either didn't play or had to leave the game early. Right. In the 10 games that he played, the Cowboys defense allowed 23 points per game. Now that's not great, but you can win games giving up 23 points a game, especially with their offense, especially with their offense in the six games that he didn't play. They averaged, they, they gave up almost 34 points per game. So you're talking an 11 point difference for one single player. Now I know you can't say it's completely all Sean Lee's responsibility. And that's why the defense got bad, but if you were a Cowboy fan and you watched Sean Lee, like in the early 2000s, you know there was a big drop-off when Lee wasn't on the field. Another reason why I think that Sean Lee season is really interesting, in the in the 10 games that he played, he had four interceptions, okay? He led the NFL in interception yards that season on four interceptions with 174. Uh, uh, I did that not is, know that. Yeah, that is absolutely incredible for a linebacker. And it wasn't like he had one of these 99-yard interception returns that kind of, you know, inflated the stats. It just seemed like every time that he got an interception, he made a big play. Uh, I think this was Sean Lee at the absolute peak of his powers. Did not get a Pro Bowl nomination. Did not get an All-Pro nomination. Didn't even get a single vote for uh, the All-Pro team. And yet I think this was the best season of his career. He happened to miss the 2014 season. He tore his ACL. So we, I don't think we ever really got to see him kind of return to that level of play. But I think the version of Sean Lee that we saw in 2013 was some of the best linebacker play I've ever seen in the NFL. Well, I think he did end up coming back and making first team all pro in 2016. If but he wasn't started. the same player. Like there was he a pretty clear drop off between what we saw in 2013. Well, I think what he was doing in 2016 was relying on his experience to be able to diagnose plays yes. uh, and get there faster. You know, he was so good at getting depth. I still remember when he picked off Peyton Manning, I think twice. Twice. Lucas Doyle, when he was a rookie, he could get depth. He was sure-handed. And when you run, you know, underneath those routes and you pick it off as a linebacker, we saw it with Derek Brooks in the Super Bowl, you're able to run, you know, mm-hmm. if you're aggressive about it. And Sean Lee could do that. And I love that. I think that's really what we're trying to accomplish here, right? I mean, Sean Lee, yes, we know he was a good player, but again, he might have been the best inside backer in football that year, or certainly in the conversation. 
I, I, I want to give you one more stat on Sean Lee. From 2010 yeah. to 2013, he led the he led all linebackers in interceptions, and I think that's surprising to a lot of people because it's not like this is the most athletic uh, guy in coverage. It's not somebody you think of that should be you know dominating tight ends and uh, finding soft spots in the zone, but he did. He was just absolutely incredible on defense, and it's a shame that we didn't get to see him uh, more play at that level. Yeah, and four interceptions in a full season is fantastic for an inside backer. There really aren't that many linebackers in NFL history that could consistently do that. And so I think that's a great pick, man. I'm, I'm surprised. It's not where I thought you were going to go. So. Yeah, that's all right. That's, that's the whole – I told you there was going to be some recency bias on the show. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. And now it is time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is coconut versus birthday cake. Go to BuiltBar.com or go to at bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Just wanted to tell you guys about rockauto.com. It's a family business that has been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Uh, You've been teasing this one for a while to me personally on the phone, uh, to our listeners, and I cannot wait to hear it. Elliot, who who has the most underrated Cowboy season of all time? Well, as you can see by my background, I'm in a little bit of a Cowboys museum. And (laughs) when you talk about underrated, if you really go by the definition of it, if nobody even remembers a guy, then he's by definition underrated, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a couple of what I call the dark ages of Cowboys football. The late 80s would be one when Steve Pleur was a starter. We're at the end of the Landry era. The other one is the Cowboys from, say, 60 to 64, before they really got good. And in 1962, their main receiver was a guy named Frank Clark. And Frank Clark was the first Cowboys receiver. He had over 1,000 yards, okay? But he's also the first Cowboys receiver to lead the NFL in both touchdown catches and yards per catch. And to this day, only one other Cowboys receiver has ever done that. Uh, Frank Clark in 1962 only played 12 games. 12 games. He caught... 47 balls for 1,043 yards. Talk about bang for the buck. And 14 touchdowns, Marcus. And you talk about market share. The Cowboys only had 2,800 yards net passing that year. So he's got over 1,000 with that little bit of production, right? The other thing is 
the Cowboys were bad. From yeah. 60 to 64, the Cowboys were, I believe, 1846 and four or something like that. They were awful. But Frank Clark, for about four years, was the best offensive player that they had. And this is a guy that no one, you're never going to see a Frank Clark jersey, okay, at a Cowboys game. But until Bob Hayes got there in 65, this guy was the man. Bob Hayes got there. They moved Clark to tight end because he was just such a good player. And then eventually Pettis Norman replaced him there. Now, I know only really old-time Cowboy fans are going to remember Frank Clark. But we are on WFAA, correct? Yes, we are. Okay. So Frank Clark retired when he could still play. He became the first black sports anchor in Dallas Metroplex history for WFAA. Very cool. And I didn't know that. I knew about Frank Clark. He was a guy I wanted to do for this because my dad had told me what a good player he was for terrible Cowboys teams. And I was doing my research on him, and I found out that he had been a sports anchor for WFAA. And I was really uh, shocked by that. I believe he worked with Vern Lundquist uh, back in the day. And so I've got his football card here. I've had this football card my whole life. It's pretty uh, cool. Put it right up Frank close Clark. to the camera. So I don't know if you could see that. It's in a yeah, yeah, there you go. This is a 64 Philadelphia Frank Clark. But 1962, over 1,000 yards in 12 games, 14 touchdowns in that era, Marcus, where they could bump you all the way down the field in 12 games. He caught a huge deep ball in the 66 title game, which was the first really big game in the history of this franchise that they lost to Green Bay. And again, nobody knows Frank Clark's name except for really special Cowboy fans going way back and maybe some dedicated WFAA viewers from the late 60s and early 70s. So I was really happy to be able to shine a light on this guy's career. Uh, best number 82 in Dallas Cowboy history? Wow. <laughs> you know, that that I don't know. But I'll tell you something, man. Uh, his 14 touchdowns was not eclipsed until yep. Terrell Owens did it in 2007. And, of course, Terrell Owens needed almost the whole year to do it. Uh, and then, of course, Des Bryant had the 16 that we just talked about earlier in the in the pod. But 14 touchdowns in 12 games in an era where they can chuck you all the way down the field mm -hmm. in an era where the Cowboys absolutely stunk and their offensive line was really bad. That's why Don Meredith always got hit all the time. I don't know. I just think it's really special production. He did get named to all pro two years later, but didn't make the pro bowl team. So <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. He didn't uh, even have respect enough respect around the league, I guess. So truly underrated Frank Clark. So from 1961 to 1963, he caught 33 touchdowns on 131 receptions. That is absolutely insane. I mean, that is just incredible. Dur during that three-year stretch, yeah. averaged over 21 yards per catch. Just absolutely incredible. Uh, so that's that's why we have every four catches. You know, <laughs> just just awesome. So yeah, 33 touchdowns in 40 games. Uh, Pretty cool. Uh, that's why we have you on the show, Elliot, to, to bring back some of this old Cowboys knowledge that we don't want to get lost in the, just pro football reference. Right? We want to dig it out. We want to tell stories. That's why we have Elliot Harrison on the show. Listen to him on the Sirius XM channel. Uh, he's a Pro Bowl voter. I, we're going to try to convince not him. Not a Pro Bowl voter. Sorry, sorry. Not a Pro Bowl Hall voter. of Fame voter. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, yeah, yeah, Pro Bowl voter is bad. Hall of Fame voter. Uh, we're going to try to convince you to start tweeting soon. We, we need I, you on Twitter. Twitter misses you. Know, you. 
And I got to tell you, it pained me to leave Dan Reeves off this list. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. So much. And Herschel, one of the years Herschel had. He's only remembered for the trade, unfortunately. Well, but, uh, Dan Reeves, really. It, it, it pained me to leave Tony Romo off because I, I really thought I could sneak a Tony Romo season in there. But I feel like for most Cowboy fans, Romo is properly appreciated, maybe slightly underappreciated. And there wasn't just – I wanted to put the 2009 season on there, but there wasn't – Oh, yeah. Somebody right now, though, is throwing their iced coffee at the TV saying, where's Doug Cosby? Oh, uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Is there any other ones that we should mention, mention so we don't get in trouble? You know, uh, well, I think I think one of the most underrated Cowboys, period, is Jim Jeffcoat. I could have named several one. years. Guy never got named to a Pro Bowl. Greg, poor Greg Ellis only gets remembered for being drafted. <laughs> for for Moss. not being Randy Moss, right? That's all yeah, it is, I mean, not being on. Randy Moss. Like, who who is uh, Randy Moss? Um, I tell you one last one. The Cowboys' famous offensive line of the early '90s, right? The Great Wall mm-hmm. of Dallas. The year they won their first Super Bowl, the highest graded offensive lineman on that team was none of the guys you think of. It was John Gesick, who ended mm-hmm. up with the Redskins and was a really good player. And nobody <laughs> remembers John Gesick. But I figured you'd get mad at me if I put a guard on here no i i thought yeah that's fine i thought you're gonna uh mention uh mark stepnowski but that's fine fine. no Uh, yeah i have his hair right now yeah Uh, you do have his hair uh an eerie pa native i just thought i should mention that uh we're we're gonna have you back in the show because we're gonna have to talk about just most underrated cowboys like throughout their entire career you mentioned greg ellis that's a really good one uh i've got a couple others that i want to talk to you about okay we'll have to have you back sometime this summer if you're free Okay, sounds good. All right, guys, you can follow Elliot on Twitter at Harrison NFL. Again, check him out on SiriusXM. Uh, you can check me out at Marcus underscore Mosier. Continue to download the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on YouTube. We're on WFAA. You guys know where to find us. Uh, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>